from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. A Baha'i Perspective is a radio program presenting biographical interviews of people who have chosen the Baha'i faith as a way of life. Today I'm playing an interview with Adib Khuzui, a Baha'i from Haiti who is currently an engineering student at the University of Massachusetts. Adib has the unique distinction of being born in Haiti and grew up there all his life, yet his parents are Iranian. Adib was in Haiti at the time the earthquake struck. We talk about the earthquake and other aspects of Haiti. I started the interview by asking Adib where he grew up and what was it like growing up there. I was born in and raised in Haiti. Uh, my parents are both Iranian. Uh, Haiti's home for me, really. Uh, it's the, only, the place I grew up. I lived there for 18 years. I, I really love Haiti a lot. I miss it. I'm really glad I, I had the opportunity to grow up somewhere where I was able to learn multiple languages and experience multiple cultures at the same time. How is it that your family ended up in Haiti? My father, uh, when he was 19 in Iran, this is in 1978, right before the Iranian Revolution, he decided that he wanted to go be a pioneer of the Baha'i faith. Uh, Both my parents are Baha'is. My father was from Tehran in Iran, and my mother was from Mashhad. My mother left right during the revolution to the United States to uh, pursue higher education, which was impossible for her in Iran. Uh, she became a pharmacist. My dad, he, he wanted to go serve the Baha'i faith or serve the community, and so they have an office where... They tell people where they need help, and the office told him they need people in Haiti. So he said, okay, I'll go. Mm -hmm. Without speaking French, Creole, or English, the only language he knew was Iranian. He arrived in Haiti, and uh, he's been there ever since. So what did he do when he dropped into Haiti, not knowing the language? Uh, The first night he had a headache, (laughs) Uh, just not knowing what's going on. It was was a a hot, different culture, just confusion. Actually, in Iran, he used to weld with his father, so he opened a small metal workshop. He used to make door frames and and metal structures for various clients, and and then he raised enough money to go to school, and finally uh, he helped start a company. So you mentioned that this this concept of pioneering. So can you explain what what that is for folks? So I guess pioneering would be traveling to an area that needs more help in terms of the efforts of community building and education. And when my dad moved to Haiti, he wasn't the first Baha'i in Haiti. He was really helping out the Baha'i community in Haiti being a human resource in a country that didn't have much resources. So that that's what um, the term pioneering refers to, traveling somewhere outside of your own hometown to help others. 
Now, you mentioned that your mom, it was not possible for your mom to get higher education. Can you explain that for us? It was difficult for her to get higher education because uh, the revolution had just started and she was actually admitted into uh, university, but because of the political instability and, and riots and the education wasn't consistent and, and it was very difficult. Also in Iran, it's it's also difficult for Baha'is to... I mean, it was a privilege for her to be accepted, but most Baha'is don't get into universities because because of the fact that they're Baha'is. That's why she uh, moved to the States to go uh, study pharmacy, is what she studied. In Haiti? Uh, in the United States. She moved to Boston and she went to Northeastern. Um, she got a political asylum and her family later on fled the country into Pakistan and ended up meeting up with her in Boston. But your father went directly to Haiti from Iran? That's correct. He so, he went directly. So how did they meet? So she she went on vacation one one year. There was a family that she was taking care of the kids of um and they wanted to pioneer to Barbados and they needed someone to babysit the kids while they looked for houses and or, or jobs or, or a way to move to Barbados. And then she was in the area. She had a friend in Haiti. She decided to go visit that friend in Haiti. And it turned out that that friend was not there that week that she wanted to go. So uh, she called the Baha'i Center. There's a building where all the activities take place. And and so that's where my dad was living. He was taking care of the center and uh, living there. So she called there, and that's how they met. <laughs> so you were born in Haiti? That's correct. When did you realize that maybe you weren't like 99% of the rest of the population? <laughs> I guess now. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, it was kind of strange because no one else really had the same experience as me, fully had the same experience as me. I could I could share many of my experiences with other people, but uh, no one else was... Persian, Haitian at the same time. So that cultural background, my family is the, is the only Persian, Baha'i, Iranian family in Haiti. So it was strange growing up, but I, I quickly got used to it. <laughs> Were there times that you noticed that folks treated you differently because your ancestry didn't come from Haiti? Any person who's light-skinned in Haiti is considered foreigner. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are actually light-skinned Haitians, but even them, they are, they're treated the same way as I would have been treated. Actually, a lot of people, they would say he's Syrian. I guess there used to be a larger Syrian population in Haiti. But as soon as I, I started speaking and having conversations, then they quickly realized that I was a local. <laughs> you grew up speaking Creole? My first language was Farsi with my mom. Uh, the second language I learned was Creole, which I spoke uh, with friends. And and then I went to a French school, so, that, so I learned French at school. Somewhere along the way, I picked up English and Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say your friendships were more with people of similar non-Haitian background, or would you say your friends were... 
Haitian nationals? Uh, most of my friends were were Haitian nationals. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of mixed Haitians as well. So I had a friend who was Italian Haitian, and I had a friend who was French Haitian and German Haitian. So I had friends mostly Haitian, but but I had also friends that were mixed. Um, I had a F- Lebanese Haitian friend. Now, how large is the Baha'i community in Haiti? Uh, the Baha'i community is, I'd say, there are about a hundred active Baha'is in Haiti. So people will admit that the Haitian society is pretty dysfunctional at this point and requires a lot of fundamental social and economic development. I think in every society you'll see positive and negative things. Um, I think Haiti has a lot of things that many other countries could benefit from and Haiti could could use a lot of qualities that other societies may demonstrate. Uh, for example, um, the Haitian population is a population that has shown a lot of resilience. Faced with continuous tests, they remain to be uh, happy, joyous. After the earthquake, the first thing that you would hear was singing and praise, being thankful that they were alive, those who were alive. Or other examples, uh, the Haitian population, people are very warm, very welcoming, very very hospitable. There's a lot of social contact between people, so people become very close to uh, each other. Um, you greet everyone you see, and you have conversations with anyone and everyone. So those are very positive things that I really appreciate, that I always miss. Other things that we could use are, um, you know, when it gets tough, sometimes it it's very easy to think about yourself and your situation. I think that the situation, the economic situation in Haiti and the developmental situation in Haiti, I think, will change once people realize that they need to put their neighbors before themselves and really focus on others as a way to focus on themselves. Because we make society and society makes us. So having an outward approach and being mindful, I think that's one thing that I think would be very beneficial in Haiti. What you're touching on is a Baha'i principle, the principle of preferring your neighbor to yourself. It's a global principle. It's the golden rule that all religions profess, love thy neighbor, prefer thy neighbor over thyself, do unto others as you would have done unto you. So I think this is something that everyone shares. It's just we just have to remember it and practice it more, even even here. <laughs> now... How is the Baha'i faith received in Haiti? People are very welcoming to the Baha'i faith. People receive it very well. In Haiti, people are very spiritual and they're in touch with, I'd say they're in touch with their spirituality. And so people receive the Baha'i faith very well. In regards to social and economic development, are the Baha'is at all involved in projects of a social and economic development area? There are Baha'is that are involved in organizations. One person 
She has her own organization, and they develop education material for various other groups. They focus on training teachers, so they did a lot of work with changing the way teachers teach in Haiti and advocating nonviolence at school and that kind of work. Several people work for other organizations such as CARE and USAID, and they're involved with development in that respect. But I guess also various different towns and places, neighborhoods, people have classes for kids and they have classes for young adults. And these classes are focused towards moral education and empowerment so these kids can have uh, a moral compass and the youth can feel empowered to change the issues they see in, in their neighborhood or in society. So a lot of the Baha'is are doing that kind of work, and I guess you could consider that as social econo economic development. Where were you when the earthquake struck Haiti? I was visiting my parents. I was at my house, actually. What was your experience when the earthquake hit? It felt long. It, it was 30 seconds long. But in that situation, 30 seconds can feel very long. I was sitting down in front of my computer and I felt something. So I said, oh, it's an earthquake. Let me go see if everyone's okay. And as I got up, it got stronger and stronger and stronger uh, to the point where I couldn't walk. And I got to the door, and i uh, that's when it was the strongest, and I just stood there as it went by. It was very loud, a lot of grumbling from from the earth. It was like a low grumbling, and then there was also things were breaking, the, the plates, the mirrors, uh, pots, and everything was falling on the floor, windows, and everything was just crashing. So it was 30 seconds of chaos. And then, and then it stopped. And then every hour after that was aftershocks. So the same thing. So the aftershocks were pretty severe. Yeah, the aftershocks were severe. I think we had six point something aftershock at one point. So five point something aftershocks in the range of five and five six. The the actual earthquake was seven. So the aftershocks were were a lot less strong, but pretty severe as well. A lot of people died in the aftershocks. They didn't die during the earthquake. Did your house sustain any structural damage? We were very fortunate. We were very fortunate. Our house only had two cracks, a few cracks. My mom was at school and that building survived. And my dad's uh, office, my dad's work um, also didn't suffer any damages. So we were very fortunate. All of us were safe. I have friends who lost family members, and, and it's really sad. We lost one member of the Baha'i community. Fortunately enough, most of our friends and family were fine. Did you leave the house right after that? I did. I did leave the house the next day. It was quite a horrific scene. There were a lot of corpses and broken walls and homes and people who needed medical attention, but... Right the day after, you know, there's, there wasn't a way for them to get to a hospital or the hospital could have been damaged. So uh, it was a mess that the, the day after it was, it was um, 
very difficult weeks after the earthquake. People were still waiting to see when when they would be able to get to a hospital or receive medical attention for their injuries. But one thing that was really great was to see the unity that came about after in the relief effort. I saw relief crews from all sorts of different places, uh, French, Dominican, Spanish, uh, Israeli. So that was really nice to see so many countries united in their efforts, uh, in the United States, of course, and bringing relief to the people. How would you characterize the state of Haiti at this point after the earthquake? Almost that, the state before the earthquake. We weren't in a very good state before the earthquake. Yeah, I think right now we're, we're right right before the earthquake. Uh, things have improved a little in Haiti, and, and it makes me very happy. There are investments coming in. There's a shift from aid to investments. It allows us to be independent. So, so the aid kind of paralyzes development, but investments would provide jobs. There's a lot of effort being put in the domain of education. So 900 and something thousand kids have been put into school for free. There's a industrial park being built, one of the biggest Hades I've ever, ever had, and crime has gone down. It's really great to see all together all the, all the positive things that are coming about. So everyone's back to permanent housing. There aren't any tent cities. No, there there still are. There's still around. Actually, um, people uh, had been moving tents outside, right outside of Port-au-Prince. There still are tent cities. It's very difficult to provide housing for that many people. It, it's hard for the government to to be responsible for moving all these people financially it's it's difficult so people are still in 10 cities but hopefully little by little people can be moved out and things will get better Adib, what are you doing now i'm finishing up my studies i'm i'm, I'm an engineering student where are you studying i'm studying at the university of massachusetts in amherst in now, the engineering department now how is it that you picked umass from haiti <laughs> That's a good question. So I, I, I guess I have family in the Boston area. Two of my uncles came to UMass. But I think the biggest reason was that the Baha'i community here was strong and I really wanted to be in in a place where I could serve and have support in my service. So, for example, right now I do a children's class with my brother and, and a few friends. And it's nice to be in a place where there are people that can help me out to do this class for kids. For example, on Fridays, every Friday we get together and we talk for a couple hours about an issue that we see in society. That's also great to be able to get together with a very diverse group of people and talk about deep subjects and just have spiritual connections with people. 
So what kind of topics do you talk about on Friday nights that you've done? So for example, this past Friday was the effect of envy and anger. The effect it has on your soul and the effect it has on your body and ways to deal with such emotions. And we've talked about this one's kind of philosophical. Mm-hmm. What is truth? So we we had a one discussion about how do you determine truth? We use also, uh, there's a book by Rain Wilson. Uh, it's a compilation of questions and quotes and activities. It's called Soul Pancake. And some of the questions are really thought-provoking. So we'll get together and read a question and, and talk about it, try to find the spark of truth in all our conversations. So you're a senior this year? Yep, I'm a senior. I have six six weeks of school left. And what's your plan after you graduate? After I graduate, I'm going for a year of service. I'm going to be in Israel, Haifa, Israel, at the Baha'i World Center, which is located there. And I will be serving there for a year. I will be in the archives department uh, in Haifa. So what will you do in the archives department? From what I know, I think I will be taking pictures of holy writings uh, digitizing and preserving them digitally. What do you see yourself doing after your year of service? I really would like to find a way to get back to Haiti somehow. I guess I, I need to pay off my loans first. Mm-hmm. So once I can figure out a way to be in Haiti and be in, uh, self-sufficient and be a positive force in Haiti. I, I want to really want to give back. I want to, I wanted to do something with education and development and apply my engineering background to it. I wanted to inspire creativity in people and teach people. Well, one of the things I believe is that brilliant minds are all over the place. It's just access is limited. So I really wanted to go back and kind of teach people the little things that I learned and kind of inspire creativity and innovation. And people are very creative down there, so I think good things will come about from it once I get to go and and do that. Well, I wish you the best of luck, Adib. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Adib Huzui. A Baha'i from Haiti who is currently an engineering student at the University of Massachusetts. For a copy of this and other interviews, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, where you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
want you. One try, one tribe, one kind, one planet, one race. It's all one blood. Don't care about your face, color of your eye, the tone of your skin. Don't care where you are, don't care where you been. 'Cause where we gonna go is where we wanna be. The place where the native language is unity, and the continent is called Pangea. And the main ideas are connected like a sphere. No propaganda to try to up a hand us. 'Cause man, I'm loving this peace. Man, man, I'm loving this peace. Man. I'm loving this peace. I don't need no leader that's gonna force me to concept to make me think I need her. Fear my brother and fear my sister and shoot my neighbor with my big missile. If I had an enemy, enemy. If I had an enemy, enemy. If I had an enemy, then my enemy's gonna try to come and kill me 'cause I'm his enemy. There's one tribe, y'all. One tribe, y'all. One tribe, y'all. We are one people. Let's catch amnesia. Forget about all that evil. Forget about. But the evil is seeding and alive in us, so our weapons are colliding and our peace is sinking like Poseidon. But we know that the one, the evil one's threatened by the sum, so we come and try to separate the sum. But he dumb, he didn't know we had a way to overcome. Rejuvenate by the beating of the drum, come together by the cycle of the hum. Freedom when all become one, forever. One tribe, y'all. One tribe, y'all. One tribe, y'all. Forget about all that evil. Forget about all that evil. That evil that they feed you. Let's cast amnesia. Forget about all that evil. That evil that they feed you. Remember that we want people. We all want people. One people. One people. One people. One love. One blood. One people. One heart. One beat. We equal. Connected like the internet, united. That's how we do. Let's break walls so we see through. Let love and peace lead you. We could overcome the complication 'cause we need to help each other make these changes. Brother, sister, rearrange this way of thinking. That we can change this bad condition. Break. Use your mind and not your greed. Let's connect and then proceed. This is something I believe. We are one. We're all just people. One tribe, y'all. One tribe, y'all. One tribe, y'all. We all one people. Let's catch amnesia. Forget about all that evil. Forget about all that evil. That evil that they feed you. <laughs> Let's catch amnesia. Let's catch amnesia. Forget about all that evil. That evil that they feed you. <laughs> one tribe, y'all. We, 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 one tribe, y'all. Can't become.
become one. Be the answer to my 
Shower of grace, river of love, ocean of peace and truth. This joyous world, a divine play. All this we are. Om.
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.